Um, how about we, in preparation for Rosh Hashanah, try to focus something that we began discussing last week and try to think what, what is it about this day that we're going to, how should we approach it, where is it coming from, and uh, dealing with it. So Rosh Hashanah is a in a way one could not conceive of a more powerful event because if someone would come up to us and offer us an opportunity to dramatically reposition ourselves I think a lot of people would take advantage of that opportunity so before we discuss the experiential component of what it may feel like to enter into Rosh Hashanah let's talk about the meaning and the philosophy behind it the name of the the day is called Rosh Hashanah, it's the head of the year. The idea being that the head is the, the mind that is the origin and the motive of everything else. A person's thoughts guide his emotions, which are then converted into actions. So it means that everything follows the head, the head of the year. So somehow impregnated into this small capsule of time is the power <coughs> of transformation. <coughs> How does that work? On that day, the entire universe is up for grabs. It's going through a process, process of recreation. Almost as if Hashem puts together with a new consideration all the building blocks of the created world and then makes a decision on how, of how they'll be reformed and how they'll be energized and how they'll be powered and how they'll be driven in the next cycle called a year. And in doing so he injects into each and every component of the creation whether it be the weather or the ground or the individual and that's where it becomes really incredibly empowering that within that time Hashem injects into the individual a whole new completely in a sense limitless powers and this way it becomes extremely tricky because the second that one focuses on that power and on that capacity to reap that kind of personal transformation then you lose the connection to the day because there's no room for personal prayer so if I go into the day and I think to myself whoa this is amazing I've got everything at my disposal the creator himself is coming to me and he's reinvesting in me an entire range of different powers um, and I just open up my hands and I kind of pull down whatever I can so then you miss it and that becomes the next step that those powers have got this paradoxical condition. They're all yours. One condition. 
you take no ownership. It's all yours, provided there's no you involved. That's the notion of the glo- global vision of Rosh Hashanah. In Rosh Hashanah, there's no real room for personal prayer. And every part of the service is so ridiculously global that it's uh, overwhelming. Um, if we can just... Does anyone have a machzor on them? But just to maybe... I'll see if I can find one. So this is taken from something that we say repeatedly on on Rosh Hashanah, the really beginning of the prayer service in the Shemon Esri, in the Amida, And it's very powerful words. But it describes a global vision of universal transformation. And the premise is that we believe that as Jews there's a incredible responsibility that's been bestowed upon us which is to represent the creator in this world and that's essentially our most fundamental purpose that we're on this planet to through the lens of our own beings refract the light of Hashem and if that's our purpose so Rosh Hashanah becomes a captivating time because we have the power to articulate those wishes and those desires Hashem put you and this is an interesting understanding because it's hard for us to respond to this and we see this word when we see the word pachad which is fear we get very turned off. But if you think about it, in a certain way, fear is a... it sobers a person up. If a person is drunk, and all of a sudden you frighten them, they immediately come back to their senses. So, in a certain sense, there's enormous amounts of areas in the world where people are intoxicated, both literally and, you know, and metaphorically, that people are... Drunkenness means that you're incognizant of what's going on around you. You don't really connect to the world. You're completely disengaged from yourself, from the world, from the people. And you're in a stupor. And sometimes if there's something which is jarring, all of a sudden you snap back to your senses, which is, I call Hashem should do this. He should snap the world back to its senses. And create a reverence, a power, above it, on everything that's been created. And as a result, all, every created thing, person, will be able to understand that. And the entire universe, the entire world, will bond together as a single unit. The entirety of humanity will become one. To do what you want, with a completion, with a wholeness. Well, this is the, fir- the very first of, of the first bracha in, Shem- in the Shemun Israel, both in the Shachis, Mariv, whatever you want. Okay? We know Hashem, we know ultimately that the power is in your hands. 
you have rulership and power, ugvura b'yiminecha, and might, and as a result, you'll create this complete, total transformation in the world where we'll be able to delight in something which is called God consciousness. The world will be, it will be real. Right now we're living in a world which is completely, completely hidden in camouflage. On the contrary, the average person, if you approach it with the notion of a manifest creator that's guiding the world and trying to find an end, as it were, in a strange fashion, to bestow kindness and goodness. So, people look at you and say, oh, cute. The, there's, no, there's no edge on the reality of what spirituality means. It's more a... The, the notion of the real, the reality of the spiritual world has become so ridiculously diluted that it's now looked upon as... Uh, personal preference and essentially which that boils down to is an idea that you've made up in your mind and if it sounds good and it makes you happy so that's wonderful so nice back in the day there was there was incredible conflict and terrible tragedy over the idea of spirituality but the upside was it was real when people went to war for it it was real it's real it's like this is life and death now it's Hobby and pleasure. Apart from the Muslims. Apart from the Muslims, which is a really interesting force. 100% true. 100% true. It's like the, 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 the Islamic force in the creation is a fascinating thing. It's like almost the, the polar opposite of the West. As the West kind of dilutes and dilutes and dilutes the notion of a cogent reality, a real, and everything becomes optional and relative and personal. So the Muslim world becomes more and more fundamental. And it's like interesting to that counterbalance of of the the Near East and the West and and then China just goes in there and makes all the cash. <laughs> <laughs> it's fascinating. It's fascinating. But it's interesting for us to think. In other words, us to think that there's there's something global that we have to think about. So Rosh Hashanah is a big day, which means I have to become huge. By becoming absolutely insignificant, I have to become huge. Do you understand that paradox? Not so much. Too many big words in succession. Um, so to become huge, I must become nothing. That's right. Because as long as I'm, it's like this. Let me try to illustrate it. Dean, how many people are you? One person. How much? with your own limited faculties and you're, you're, you're a good guy but at the end of the day you need how many hours of sleep? Six, seven. Six, seven hours of sleep. Um, you know, you, you, you've got limited in terms of what you can do as, as a human being there's an end point to your strengths. It's very, it's very limited. It's very limited. So when I say to you Dean, I want you to completely, totally transform the world you say, not realistic. But what you can do is you can, you, can, you, can, you can work on your own life. You can, you can make your life a little bit of a better place. But that's a very limited vision. So at the same time, I'm saying to you, I want you to have the grandest vision. But take the self out of it. I want the world to be transformed. I want that. That's what I want. That's where the I comes in. But that I is an I which is a paradox. Because it's the I which is not the I. Because the minute it becomes this global picture, so then I feel my own limitations and my own... And then when I let go of, in other words, like this, 
I'm trying to get close to articulating this. I can think of my life as the world. But then that's very small. How would a person think of his life as the world? Well, Roshan is coming around. They have to think about, well, I want, I want to be healthy. I want to have enough money to support myself. And I want this, and I want this, and I want this, and I want this. So then it's extremely, extremely minute. Narrow. It's narrow, in other words. But that's because that's the, the parameters of myself are narrow. Or I can do the exact same thing, but be completely unrestricted. How would that be? That I want this to happen. So, for example... Let me draw an analogy, an analogy we've used before. Um, come in. Come in, I said. So you're going in for a job interview, and the CEO is standing behind his, sitting behind his big, fat, mahogany desk. Maybe not fat, just big. And he says, okay, um, we've got this, this job. We're hiring people to start an urban renewal project in a nearby neighborhood. Would you like to, would you like to join? So candidate one walks in, he says, Tell me what the conditions of the job are. Well, you'll be given the salary and you'll be able to, this is your health insurance, you'll be given a travel allowance and a company car, etc., etc. He says, sounds pretty good. I'm keen. The CEO looks at his qualifications. Looks like you're qualified. Be in touch. Thank you. Shake hands. Off he goes. Come in. I said, come in. Next guy, <laughs> next guy walks in. He says, tell me, he says, um, applying for the job. We've got this whole urban renewal project going. He goes, what? So yeah, the job is like an urban renewal project. We're going to be like re, re come and completely redesigning the entire inner city, providing different kinds of infrastructure, education. You go, whoa, that's amazing. That is amazing. I would love to be a part of that. So the CS says, tell me what you can do. He says, well, you know, like I've got a little bit of a background. I've got an engineer's degree, which means I can really help you out with planning, strategy, infrastructure, building, and things like that. He, he, says, he says, I mean, I'll do whatever I can. So CEO gives him the job. He's, he's the whole thing, but he's just a tiny part. But he's the whole thing. So Jensen, the paradox of when you align yourself to the goal, you become as large as the goal, and you become completely tiny at the same time. But that's a, the surrender of self is the acquisition of self. That's a real self. That's a self which has a real existence. It's a part of a bigger thing which is real. When I'm just into myself and myself, so then I was born, I lived, and I'll die. And there will be an end. So this, this letting go of oneself, this allowing oneself to be higher instead of lower by surrendering my own personal gratification for a higher goal is redemptive. It's, it's amazing. That's what we do on Rosh Hashanah. And therefore, when you start to think about that and you, when you pray for yourself, it becomes petty. Right? In the bigger picture, it could be that I'm not even needed. But that's, that doesn't bother me as long as the project is done. Granted, if I've got something to contribute, I'm all for it. Gung-ho. Do you understand how different that is? Dean, do you understand how different that is? From like, yeah, I mean, I'm not going, I'm not, I'm not speaking to the, like, you know, the apple honey kind of vibe. Oh, what do you mean? I'm showing that apple honey. Smoke. <laughs> Apples dip the honey in Rosh Hashanah. Yeah. Okay, so I think that, that's like, boom. That was ridiculous. <laughs> that, that, that's like a whole, it's a whole refocus, no? Daniel Malley? A whole refocus. Daniel Malley. Yeah. Um, so, ultimately, like, like you said before... Is this for me? Does someone bring this for me? Yeah. yeah. Really? That's very nice of you. Who was it? Wow. Amazing, eh? I love it when water comes from the heavens. 
Boh hat heute in der Jugend gerade am Sekunde ein bisschen wohl. Amen. Das ist nicht mehr so, so the purpose of free will before is to get rid of your free will, right? To nullify your free will to Hashem. So we're saying something similar here. The purpose of this is to nullify yourself and not to Hashem to arm yourself. Same idea, less, same idea. Same idea, same idea, but in speaking about your aspirations, what do you want? In other words, if I say to you, like a little bit, what do you really, 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 really want? So you say, a new car. <laughs> a new car. I'm, like, I'm, I'm driving like a Hyundai 2007. I mean, <laughs> it's embarrassing. I mean, I want, I want to go up just first in terms of like I want to move away from the Koreans and like start like, you know, moving into the German market a little bit. Just like. Huh? No, you know, like maybe like, you know, dabbling in the world of BMW. Perhaps. Yes. You know, maybe Audi. I'm not. So, so that, that, that's, 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 that's a little bit, uh, oh, I really, really, really want, I want the world to be a different place. Completely, completely different. I want there to be no poverty. I want there to be no conflict and strife, which is so destructive in families, in emotional battles between people. I want there to be that smoothed out. I want it to be a clarity of person, purpose and a connection to the greatest thing ever, which is the Rebbeinu Shalom Hashem. Imagine that. Imagine the greatest being connected, every single person in humanity, to the greatest good. Without, isn't that, wouldn't that be amazing? From New Zealand to Nova Scotia. <laughs> I would say like, Canada! But like, it's such an un-Canadian thing to do. Like, that would be good for Arizona. No, it's Canadian. It is Canadian? Yeah. Yeah. If you offer it, don't I? Go, Canada! Sorry. I thought Canada would be Canada. Only when it comes to hockey. Team Canada. I got you. Pekitza! What? If Hashem doesn't want us in the picture at some point. Don't be so defeatist. He wants you. No, but... He wants you. No, okay? he, he wants he you. You're such a good soldier. He listen to the question. Sorry, go on. Jim doesn't want anyone in the picture. Whoa! Why are you saying this? <laughs> Sorry, I'll just listen. Uh, yeah. Guys, start again. If Jim does not want... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> if Jim doesn't want someone in the picture... Yes. Okay? Mm-hmm. And we spend our time davening, mm-hmm. and we say, Shem, please, please give us... Right, why does it matter what we ask for? Hashem's going to make up his mind. That's a great question. That's a great question. It's okay. No, not that Hashem doesn't want us. He wants us. To, he wants us. He wants us. Nobody, maybe we, we are needed up there. Or whatever. So this is like the amazing thing. This is yeah. the amazing thing about the power of the pers- person. Each and individual person. Yeah. That there's an expression called Ein Melech Am. There's this crazy thing about um, the Jewish concept of monarchy, Malchus. Malchus is an elective <coughs> thing. A king can't be a king against the will of the people. They have to find... You know, it's a little bit like when a person demands honor. I want you to honor me. So, okay. The person you're m- the most disrespect is the one that demands to be honored. It's the most dis- disrespectful thing. The only person... Honor doesn't come from the person who's the honored. It comes from the one honoring him. So honor means that you give a place of pre- preeminence to a person, an idea. That has to come deep from within inside of you. So 
it's almost as if the irony of Hashem is he can't come into this world if no one wants him. What do you mean? He can do whatever he wants. He can do whatever he wants. But as I said, he can't come into the world. There can be no honor when there's no honor. But you might not recognize him, but he can come in. Yeah, but then he's not in. I don't know what that means. Isn't it based on the fact that it's for our benefit, all of this? So the only real way... That's all true, but let, let me say it, okay? I walk into the room. Sure. Now, either you honor me or don't. What happens if I say, You will honor me! Yes! And you say, okay, but you don't honor me. So it means that my place as an honorable person doesn't exist. I need you to recognize my whatever it is, uh, value, attributes, goodness, in order for me to become present in the deeper sense in your life. Yeah, but if I don't honor you, you can just kick me out. Yeah, but that means, I w- I, that means there's no honorable presence in the world. There's just a dominant presence, but there's no honor. But Hashem doesn't need, uh, Hashem does not need us. Yes and no, of course He doesn't, but of course He does. Ain't Melech Baloyam. I'm hearing two different answers. I feel I'm, like, <laughs> in this case, what I was thinking the same thing yes. in your example. You make yourself smaller to make something else big, yeah? So you give the job example where someone comes in and they make themselves part of the, the master plan. But let's say you came into that same job and you, you wanted everything. It doesn't take away, and this is, I think what you're touching on, it doesn't take away from the ability of that person to still put you as part of a team. You're still going to be in there. 100%. But, but, there will be slight differences which will start to evolve over time. So, for example, when a conflict comes between another priority that you have for yourself and the job, that will take precedence. And the devotion that you have for the job will start to, to wane. Because ultimately, the job is unimportant to you. It's yourself that's important to you. So you're right. At, at first glance, it may look identical, but then in the course of time, the one will be undermined by the other. So, like this, let's say Hashem being present in the world isn't this like ethereal notion of it's that people will look up to the rebellion of Islam. They'll look up to Him. You can't force anyone to look up to you. Either they look up to you or they don't. You can't make them look up to you. So, if Hashem being present in present in the world means people look up to Him. So that means that's a people's choice. But, he, but he's present. They might not recognize him as present, but he, he's present. Just, he's not, present. just not according to them. Correct. So he's, he's, he's here, but not recognized. But he can still work just as well without the recognition. 100%. So why does he need the Okay, so maybe this is where Yeshua comes in. Ultimately, it's also another duality that what our purpose, the reason why we are, we are created, is Hashem wanted to give his goodness to another. Right. The way that, that goodness becomes accessible is by us acknowledging, oh, that's good. If we don't acknowledge that's good, so then he can't give it to us. So then there's no purpose to the creation. When you say he can't, you mean he can't, he just won't. Well, in the system, he can't. In other words, just like this, the system's set up where a person is straddled between good and evil. Correct? Yes. There has to be evil, because without evil, your good's not, not valuable. It's meaningless. Right. Shem could make you do good. Right. He could make you only do good. It would be meaningless. So it could do it, but it would be meaningless. Same idea over here. That he could make you whatever, feel that sense of respect, but then there would be no respect. It would be self-imposed, whatever it is. If you want to get, if he wants to reach the purpose of his creation, you have to come forward and say, "Whoa, this is amazing. This is totally awesome. I want this. This is great. This is amazing." Would you say if I don't acknowledge it's good, then it's not good? 
it's not the purpose of creation can't be whether I it's it's a reality. If I if I think it's a waste of time, so then so then the way it's manifest in the world is a waste of time. My perception defines the reality of what, what there is. Say that? Yes, Josh. To what, so to it's, I mean, it's a related question, but to what extent does our dubbing, I'll, I'll use an example, if you're dubbing for, for a fool for someone else, why does what I do, you know, dictate whether they'll be healed or not? That's a whole new, that's a whole new question. That's a great question. In other words, praying for other people. How can my prayers for another person help them and how does prayer work as, as a whole? That's a, that's a really good question. In putting that question aside, and what, what would be a productive movement to perform within Rosh Hashanah would be this idea that my prayer is just a simple, deep expression of what I believe is important. So when I, when I pray for something, it's because I believe it's important. So, you know, I'm, I don't think I'm going to be praying fervently for a random team in the Chinese second division soccer league to win. I mean, if I would, it would mean that that would be important to me. So you walk into a restaurant and you say, okay, well, what are you going to pray for? How's your big day? What are you going to pray for? So if you pray for, I want this goodness to be accessible to humanity at large. I want every single person. Then no one should be deprived of it. That's what I want. I really want that. That's what I really... That's what I want. That's exactly what I want. Just only if something doesn't necessarily affect whether it will happen or not at all then. I don't, I, I, don't, I don't know what will happen globally. No, no but I'm saying when, when we're davening, we're not, we're not praying, we're just expressing. So that expression creates a certain fusion in the energy between us and Hashem. That creates a closeness which brings Hashem's presence to no, a more manifest yeah, place. I agree with that, but then that doesn't necessarily mean that just because we prayed or because not enough people prayed for it that it's going to happen. Or doesn't mean, it doesn't mean, does it, I don't know what specific things will happen because I don't have the... Or if anything. Visible to us. But I'm saying... Something will happen. If something is just an expression, not... Not, it's not prayer. But that, no, that, that expression has an impact. It's, it has a response. It has a, it's a catalyst too. It's a pulling a, pushing a button that does. It's not just like nothing. I'm really sorry for the heavy tone, the somber voice that I used in this entire lesson. But, uh, do you know what I'm saying? It's not always just fun and games, Mikey. <laughs> <laughs>